In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is Monday, March 2nd, 2020. I'm flying solo on this podcast today. I didn't really have time to tape it with Jason Longshore after Atlanta United's 2-1 to win over Nashville on Saturday at Nissan Stadium because we had a lot of news to start writing and reporting, and I really needed to get that written and up and just couldn't take the 30 minutes that it typically takes to accomplish this podcast on that night. So here I am today. Uh, since then, we have learned since the victory – uh, with the goals scored by Ezekiel Barco and Emerson Hyman, their first of the season. We have learned that Joseph Martinez uh, suffered a torn anterior cruciate ligament in his right knee in that game. It occurred around the 63rd minute when he collided with a Nashville defender. Uh, the timetable for how long he will be out uh, has not been released yet by the team. Uh, they need to get The surgery needs to be performed. The doctors need to see the extent of the damage before they can start figuring out how long he will be out. Uh, I tweeted this yesterday. My father-in-law is a retired orthopedic surgeon. He's like, that for normal people, just kind of getting out and about again at six months for an athlete, it's going to be about nine months because of the workload and, and everything that's involved. So, again, this is my speculation. I got to think that Martinez is going to be out for the remainder of the season. Maybe he could return in the playoffs. Maybe the damage isn't as great as they fear, and he could be back in time for the end of the regular season. But it's not something I think that you really want to push a great deal. And so you might as well just give it time and be cautious. And Frank is typically, I think Frank DeBoer, manager Frank DeBoer, is pretty cautious with returning players from injuries uh, anyway uh, because he, he, being a former player, recognizes they have long careers and you could risk re-injuring or the possibility of more damage if you rush players back. So he's typically been very patient uh, with all the players that have suffered injuries uh, in this last season and going into this season. I don't really yet know who what Atlanta United's plans are going to be to try to fill that role. I know they only have one striker, uh, Adam John, who I think is a, is a quality striker. He's not Joseph and – Starting and playing John a lot is going to change Atlanta United's playing style, and so I don't think they want to do that either. That's not a knock on Adam by any stretch. It's just a, a reflection of the team's preferred style in its first three seasons. So i got to think they're going to try to go out and get someone to do that. I don't yet know who it is. Some of you were retweeting this morning, and I kind of laughed that Daniel Sturridge has been released by his club in Turkey which kind of lines up the possibility of Sturridge coming to Atlanta United. Uh, I guess that could happen. I don't know if it's that good of an idea 
if you're trying to get some consistency at the position, Daniel Sturridge is not the guy because he is injured all the time. As a Liverpool uh, follower, I've known this for quite some time. I feel bad for Sturridge because I think he's a, obviously a world-class talent, but he just can't stay healthy. And so the last thing Atlanta United is going to want to have to do is bring in a guy who is very, very injury prone, maybe more injury prone than any other soccer player in a long time. Some of you have tweeted, well, why don't they go get some of these guys in China? Uh, Solomon Rondon, another Venezuelan like Martinez. That would be pretty intriguing. But again, I don't know if Atlanta United has the finances to make that happen. At this point, these guys are used to gigantic paydays, especially those who have played in China, because that's why they went there in the first place. So to come for what Atlanta United could probably pay, it is a capped league. I'm not sure if that would happen. I guess the only way it, it could happen is if it's kind of a the player sees it as a door opening process for a bigger payday from another MLS club as a designated designated player in 2021. Um, so that's out there. There are a couple of free agents, uh, out there that I tweeted about yesterday from the league that they could do that Atlanta United could sign. Now to clear up some of the roster information, uh, President Darren Eels told an Atlanta radio station the other day, um, with which the team has a, a contractual relationship, uh, that they do have, I think it was a radio station, that they do have an international slot open and they do have a, a senior roster slot open. So they do have some flexibility in, in who they can sign and how much they can pay him. Should they elect to put Joseph Martinez on the season ending injury list in Major League Soccer, and doing so means that Martinez could not play in another competition for the club for the rest of the season, which really isn't that big of a deal because the only competitions left at that point are going to be MLS competitions by the time he could return. You could sign another player to fill Joseph's slot. So this would be a like-for-like thing. Joseph goes from his roster slot onto the season-ending injury replacement list, and another player slides into Joseph's slot for the season. The only issue with that for Atlanta United is you can't pay that player more than $250,000. Um, so you're not going to probably get what they're looking for for that price, which is why that having that senior roster slot open is extremely important for it Atlanta United. Now, that slot, I think most of you assumed or were hopeful last week, was going to be filled by Mexican midfielder Jurgen uh, Dom or, or Dam. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce his last name just yet. Um, so now I'm not quite sure if that is true. I don't think it's true, but you never know. Uh, I would assume that that's either going to be scuttled or the club is going to have to release someone uh, to slide Dom into a spot. Um, so we will see what happens in that case. Uh, I believe uh, Mark Bradley is going to write something about Joseph Martinez and his injury today, so please look for that. I'm going to have a piece on Emerson Heinlein. It's not going to be too long. I'll have another little short on Lawrence White, who had to come in and make his senior team debut against Nashville because of an injury to Franco Escobar. We don't have any more details on that injury yet. Um, but White came in. He, he had a couple of really good balls. He got beat one time on a run to the back post, uh, but nothing happened on the cross. 
Uh, I think, you know, White's got potential. I haven't really gotten to see enough of him to know what that potential is. Um, that's not a knock on him. That's more a reflection of just my time uh, more than anything. I know I have watched uh, him in training and have enjoyed watching him in training. So uh, we'll see because Atlanta United is short on center backs right now because of the injury to Miles Robinson, a quad injury. And, again, that's a player the team is not wanting to rush back, going back to my first point on the podcast about Joseph's injury and rushing him back. Um, and now Franco Escobar has what uh, Frank described as, as a muscular I- injury. He said kind of similar to Miles's, but um, I think he said it was slightly higher up on his leg, which would uh, that would could be a more serious injury because that's a larger muscle. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. The only center backs left right now are, are White, uh, Fernando Meza, Anton Walks. Uh, who I still chuckle that some of you said he, he was not a center back, and he clearly is. Uh, George Campbell, and I guess Jeff Ornowitz can play center back, but I, I think they prefer him more as a defensive midfielder. So the team's a little thin, particularly when they're trying to play a three-man back line as they've been playing for the past, oh, most of the past season and, and throughout the preseason. So let's talk about Saturday's game against Nashville. What a fantastic atmosphere. Congratulations to Nashville SC and its supporters. Uh, for what looked like a, a fantastic uh, event there. It was kind of hard for us to hear in the press box because it's really thick glass, so we couldn't really get a good sense of the noise that was being generated. Uh, I thought the pregame festivities were kind of cool. Um, the, the Judah and the Lion Anthem, you know, I think it's a good idea. I, I think it needs a little more oomph to it. It's not really something that feels anthemy. To me, there's no real changes in modulation to kind of get the blood going a little bit from low to high. Uh, but maybe they'll tweak that and, and make it a little bit better. Lizzie Hale's guitar riff I thought was, was awesome. Um, I, I was particularly watching the capo and the supporter section at Nissan, and I think that uh, it's a work in progress. Uh, the capos were down there working hard, but not enough people were kind of following the lead, and I think that will happen. There'll be lots of meetings, I'm sure, of the, of the supporters groups that Nashville has, and they'll get going. I was slightly disappointed, for lack of a better word. I didn't see more Nashville SC jerseys in the stands. I was trying to figure out the contrast between Nashville's fans and Atlanta United supporters, of which there were many, but it was really, really difficult to do because it was so cold. A lot of people were bundled up. Maybe they had jackets on over their kits, uh, same as Atlanta United, but it was really hard to figure out the contrast between the two supporters. But my wife and her sister and husband and his cousin were in the stands and said it was an amazing atmosphere. They really had a great time, so congratulations on that. As far as the game itself, Lenny United really did not look uh, in sync, I thought, on offense for most of the game. The two goals that they scored, the the first goal by Ezekiel Barco, I thought was probably more of a mistake by Nashville's defenders. Uh, one defender failed to win, I guess you would call it an aerial duel, though the ball had hit the ground, with Ezekiel Barco. So Barco got on the ball. The center backs for, for Nashville, Walker Zimmerman, and I forgot the other guy's name, I apologize, uh, kind of hesitated and shifted over uh, a little bit, and that gave Barco space to dribble a couple more times and then get off the shot. I can remember in his – this was Barco's very first interview, I think uh, – in the United States, maybe in a second, he may have done one with a TV station in Miami. He talked about he loves to cut in on the right and shoot. Well, we haven't gotten to see him score a lot from that, 
But in this occasion, he cut it from the right shot, put the ball into the lower right corner, and uh, into the goal it went. Atlanta United gets a win of lead. Nashville answers off a set piece. Walker Zimmerman, probably the largest guy on the field. Joseph Martinez, probably the best leaper on the field. Uh, went up for a header. Ball kind of bounced off both their heads. Uh, Joseph Walker's momentum kind of pushed Joseph uh, toward the goal. The ball came down right there in front of Zimmerman, and he toe-poked it into the goal. So congratulations to Lawrenceville's Walker Zimmerman on his first goal, uh, Nashville's first goal. But then Atlanta United responded with a fantastic goal by Emerson Hyman. Again, this was a play that Nashville probably wishes it could have back. It started with a corner kick. Uh, the ball came back toward that corner, toward Ezekiel Barco, who was in an offside position, but the ball was last deliberately played by a Nashville defender, which put Barco back on sides. The assistant referee's flag came up. Nashville's players kind of hesitated for a second. Barco, whose back was to the assistant referee, didn't realize the flag had gone up, so he kept playing. He put in another cross. It was cleared back out to Heinemann, who probably was about five yards from Barco at that point, maybe ten. Took the ball off his chest and hit a hard volley into the right corner. It was a great goal, fantastic piece of skill. Hyman said it was probably the best goal he scored to this point. He made sure to say to this point, which I thought was kind of clever. Uh, so anyway, it gave Atlanta United a 2-1 to one lead. Nashville had a couple of other chances in the game. Oh, a shot hit the post. And then came the kind of controversial moment in stoppage time. Uh, Nashville had a corner. It got cleared out. Barco came on the ball. Nashville's defenders and, and goalie Joel Willis were hauling back to the goal. Uh, Barco turned and took a shot. Joe Willis reached up and hit the ball with his hand. We're at the, about the halfway line. Handball, yellow card, no red card. I think it's a red card. I've seen the explanation from Howard Webb that it wasn't a denial of a, of a clear goal-scoring opportunity, but it was a goal-scoring opportunity, and it did deny the scoring uh, the opportunity. So it should have been a red card. I think that some hairs are being really, really split on that, but I, I respect Howard Webb, and he obviously knows a lot more about refereeing than I. I do think it's funny that Atlanta United supporters are so up in arms about it because the game was already won at that point. It didn't really matter. But anyway, Atlanta United wins 2-1. to one. I'm going to wrap up this podcast now. We're about at 13 and a half minutes. Um, I hope that you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Continue to, descri- to subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you don't, it's about five bucks a month. Extremely cheap. I really, really hope that you will subscribe, um, not only for the coverage of Atlanta United, but for our fantastic coverage of all your local municipalities, government, all the other sports teams in Atlanta, the vast entertainment scene in Atlanta. And if you get a chance to go to Nashville to watch a soccer game, even if it's not Atlanta United, I would encourage it. It's a fantastic city. Uh, I don't think Atlanta United is going to go back there maybe for another two years because Nashville plays in the Western Conference. So Nashville would come to Atlanta next year unless MLS kind of goofs around with the schedule a little bit. If you remember, Atlanta went to Minnesota two consecutive years in 17 and 18. So I guess maybe Atlanta could go to Nashville again next year. I do not know. Anyway, this is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. This is Doug Robertson. We will talk to you later. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. 
Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.